Good morning, everybody. Good news. It's raining. Of course it's raining. Would you pray with me to start? I'm still trying to figure out this new routine, how to start things without having to go back to the drums. I'm still working on it. I'll take suggestions if you got any, but prayer is always a good place to start. God, thank you for today. Thank you for our brothers and sisters that we get to worship with together. Uh, I thank you for all the good that you've done in our life this week and will do in the week ahead. Uh, We thank you also for the ways that you make yourself known in the hard things and the difficult times. Uh, You are a good God. You're faithful to us, and we we praise you and thank you for your care for us. Amen. Uh, Dave is not here this morning, so thankfully, Tegan has volunteered to lead us in music today. So would you stand? We'll pray again, and Tegan, you can come on up and get yourself ready. Tegan. Um, this line always captures my imagination. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. And there's um, passages like that throughout scripture. There's a, a version of the Bible you can get. I think it's New Living Translation. It's called the Creation Bible. And anytime anything is mentioned about uh, creation or relationship to creation, it's highlighted special. And you can't get through the Psalms. You can, it, every Almost every Psalm has some sort of creation element to it, the skies or the trees or the waters or the mountains bowing down and the seas roaring at the sound of his name. And that's always captured my imagination. Uh, you might remember in the story of the triumphant entry, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and the people are praising and the Pharisees are like, don't let them treat you like a king. And Jesus is like, hey, man, if these guys, if they don't sing my praises, if they don't shout out praises, then the rocks themselves will shout out praises. And um, that image always captures my imagination, captures my attention. And so I like this song for some of that creation imagery that's in it. Um, 
in the pivotal moment of of human history, there is a bit of that to it. So we're going to do our, our communal reading today. And this is Matthew 27, the very end of the crucifixion. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means my God, oh sorry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. That's Matthew 27. In Western society, we treat creation like something to be used uh, by us, and that's all it's there for, is to take and to take and to take. But creation has its own, God's given it its own livelihood. And creation doesn't stand pat. Creation is active in its relationship with God. Creation sings praise throughout scripture. And creation responds to the most pivotal moment in, in history. Creation responds with mountains bowing down. Uh, Jerusalem is built on not a mountaintop, but like a mountaintop for that area of the world. And here we have rocks splitting. We have tombs opening. We have creation bowing down, recognizing the moment. And as it bows down, what do we also have? Resurrection. We have life. We have new life. I love that image that always captures my imagination, the idea of of creation having a life, having a relationship with its creator, even apart from us. Creation isn't there for us. Creation is its own uh, beautiful thing, but it stands as a testament to the goodness and the glory and the power and the beauty of our God. And so at communion time, um, we can stand like the centurion. We can stand before creation as it responds to Jesus. We can stand with creation, I should say. And we can say, surely he was the son of God. We can shout to the Lord along with the rocks and the mountains. Uh, We can shout to him his praise that he is worthy of. Surely he is the son of God. So thank you, Deacon, for picking that song. It always makes makes me uh, very crazy. I said crazy, not crazy. Let's pray. Jesus, you are powerful. You are good and you are beautiful. You are all the things that we see in places like Jasper or on the, the shore of the sea. All of those characteristics we find in you, Jesus. And we're thankful that in your power, that in your beauty, that you use those things to save us, to deliver us. We stand with creation. We, we stand broken like creation was broken in this moment. And we say, surely you are the son of God. We thank you for the voice that creation has that leads us to you. Um, and Jesus, we stand here before you as the centurion did before the cross. And we're amazed at your power and your goodness and your beauty. Um, we sing out like the rocks on the road, like the trees in the forest, like the sky above us. We, we sing out that you are the son of God. You are good and powerful and beautiful. We thank you for your goodness and your power and your beauty and how it benefits us as it benefits all creation. 
Thank you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. The body of Christ, let's take it together. And the powerful, beautiful blood of Christ, which saves us. Okay. Um, Angeline kicked off our Facing Goliaths um, mini-series last week. These are people telling personal stories of their journeys of faith and how God continues to empower them against um, massive pillars of evil and, and brokenness and and things that distract us from faith. And thank you, Angeline, for your great message. The, so- the sling and the stone being truth and love together was really excellent. And we get to hear today from Bob. Bob is uh, obviously somebody who's been tremendously impactful in my faith. He was my first pastor. Um, he is also was mine and Angie's mentors when we first became pastors. So I have a tremendous debt to Bob. Um, I'm thankful for the man that he is, his clinical, his uh, very rational mind. And he gets to share some of how that rational mind uh, has impacted his faith journey today. So Bob, I'm very pleased to welcome you up. Come on up and share some of your journey with us. Well, this is a little different. Uh, being asked to talk about myself, I don't usually talk about myself. So, so uh, I uh, want to apologize up front. Uh, uh, I, I, I sense a real blessing from the Lord as my life has unfolded and I've lived it out. And now I'm pushing an 80 this year, so you can sing the happy birthday song to me in October if I make it that far. So uh, we'll look forward to that. But I, uh, it's uh, been a very blessed life, and and I don't want, uh, I never want it to sound like it's uh, I'm bragging or something like that. It's uh, by the grace of God, it's unfolded the way it has. I, I can't explain it really, you know. Uh, picture this: I was 24 at the time. I was teaching physics and chemistry. I had a pretty nice setup. I had uh, graduated from college, had a teaching degree. I was married, had first child, David, who incidentally was born on our first anniversary. I was out for an anniversary present. And uh, happily involved in a church. And it seemed like God's hand had been on me for quite a while. I kind of have had a sense of wanting to wanting to live this life in a right way, in a, in a productive way, in God's way. Uh, and I knew some of what this was about by having been raised in church. And uh, I even, during those years, had made a commitment to read through the Bible. So I think I'd accomplished that by this t- that time. So life life was going along, and uh, but I wasn't sleeping all that well because a few years before at a retreat that somehow I happened to be leading. That's another story, uh, and uh, there were uh, a Bible college group came. 
from Johnson Bible College near Knoxville, Tennessee. They came and they kind of carried the program along and I was really challenged to do something with my life before the Lord. And uh, talked it over with my mom, who was certainly the spiritual one of the family, not my dad. Talked over with my mom and she said, well, why don't you finish your teaching course and and then uh, we'll see if, see if you want to go to Bible college then or something like that. I kind of made a, a tentative commitment to maybe go. But life happens. So I finished the college, got a, a really good teaching job for a rookie, teaching grade 11 and 12. In fact, I think when I went there the first time to apply for a job, the custodian kind of directed me where I could sign up as a student. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> so uh, I was I was uh, involved in teaching, and it was very challenging, and I was learning a lot, and I was pretty well getting a handle on these uh, very uh, difficult courses that I was uh, learning as much or more than the students were, of course. And that's what usually happens when you're a teacher. <laughs> so... So I was involved in that, and, and then every year they sent a paper around to all the teachers asking them if they were coming back next year, if they wanted their contract renewed for the next year. So after prayerful deliberation, talking it over with Pat, uh, I decided to check off the box, no, I wouldn't be coming back next year. Because this Goliath had been growing bigger and bigger, and by this time I guess he was a full nine feet tall. And so this Goliath of I, I had to I had to come to terms with it. Creationism or evolution. And being in the science world and having this mechanical brain that Chris talks about. Uh, I could very well understand the ideas behind evolution and carbon dating and all that phys physics and chemistry stuff that these scientists uh, tend to use. And all these millions and billions of years that they talk about so freely. And uh, this, this was very unsettling. This was unsettling to me, was unsettling to my faith on settling to my direction in life at this time. So I ticked off the box, no. The decision had been made to go to Bible college. This Bible college was like 600 miles away. This was even before the days of the interstate highways. So it was uh, through towns and through mountains. And it was uh, a slow going 600 miles at that. So the decision was made. The principal came, and he had this piece of paper, and he said, Bob, do you really mean this, that you're not coming back next year? I said, yes, I really mean it. I won't be back next year. The, the decision had been made. I, I think in some ways I slept better, but probably in other ways I didn't because this was uh, a monumental decision to uh, move away from this area that I had grown up in. Oh, I should preface that, uh, uh, I should say a few words about Pat. Pat and I uh, met in high school. And uh, I don't know, 
even before we graduated from high school, we knew that marriage was the direction we were headed. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, Pat had a very troubled childhood. She even spent time in an orphanage at one point in her life, and she never did find out why that happened. But uh, she had attended 13 different schools in her going to school time. I only ever went to one school the whole time, one building, from first grade to grade 12. And I stayed at home, and as I went to college, it was local, and got that degree that I mentioned. But Pat was a very special person. She did get a scholarship to go to nurses training. Otherwise, she probably would not have been able to go. She went went to a three-year nursing program, a resident program, where she lived at the nurse's residence, student residence, and uh, got her three-year training that became a a registered nurse and the policy was as a student that you could not marry if you married and they found out you married you were out could not marry and go to this uh, school so uh, we waited and waited and waited finally she uh, finished her training I still had another year to go, but that fall we did marry. I think it was probably 1961 we married, and uh, we uh, rented a house to start with for $65 a month. Money was different back in those days. Gasoline was 30 cents a gallon. (laughs) Yeah, Paul says, yeah. (laughs) And uh, so... So then we uh, didn't want to be wasting money paying rent for some to somebody else. So we bought a little mobile home, 48 feet long, 8 feet wide. And our pad rent was $27. So we, that was our home for a couple of years. And uh, then this decision came to go to Johnson Bible College, 600 miles away, in, close to Knoxville, Tennessee. And we were in Ohio at that time. So uh, how do we get our mobile home there? And there was a place there for uh, trailers to be set up at this Bible college. We did make a trip there to kind of look it over and explore it out. And we did that. And then I made another trip because I needed to tow this trailer there. So I bought a old truck that the motor was shot in it and bought a $35 junkyard motor and put in it. And so we towed this trailer the 600 miles. Now, this is an interesting trip. I only got stopped by the police once and uh, got to ride in the squad car into before the judge to pay the $27 fine. I guess I was going a little too fast or something like that. So anyway, and he took me back to the trailer. My youngest brother was with me, so he was on that trip with me. And uh, and then we came to the Ohio River. Now, when I went across in uh, in a Volkswagen Beetle a month or so earlier, it cost me twenty five cents for the toll to cross the river. Oh, that's not too bad. Well, when I got there with my whole rig. 
it cost $6.75, which that seemed pretty big in those days. And anyway, so he paid up, what choice do you have? Got across the river, but this bridge went right straight into the the bank on the other side of the river, and I couldn't turn the corner. So the only way I could turn the corner, there was a, a road that angled up the hill, but I wanted to go on the one along the river. So I had to go up the hill, back that rig down, and then I could go along the river. <laughs> so, And then there was one time we were going through some small town, and I couldn't turn the corner, but there was a gas station there. So my brother... Art, he got out and he moved the sign and we went through the yard and got around that corner. So, And somehow the door on the trailer came open and I knocked off two mailboxes along the way on these little narrow roads I was on. <laughs> and anyway, anyway, we made the trip, got trailer set up and went back, drove the truck back to uh, Ohio and and then uh, Pat and I made the move with the family and our Volkswagen Beetle that we had at the time. And, and uh, we were all, all, all set to go to Bible college, not knowing how it would work out financially, not knowing how any of it would work out. Uh, by then we had our one child, David. And, uh, but we were off to Bible college. So I set about to see where this was going to end up, whether this uh, Goliath could be conquered or not conquered or what was going to happen with him. And so I, I, other than the other courses, the regular Bible courses and Greek courses and uh, speaking courses and English courses and all those courses that I really hadn't taken in my previous college training, that I needed to do the course there at the Bible College. Uh, in the midst of all those courses, I did a personal study from the college library on whatever books they had on creationism, evolution, that type of thing. And I read quite a few of those books, maybe all that that library had back in those days. And I was no further ahead. Finally, through prayer, and I probably talked to a few people about it too, I came to the conclusion I, I could spend the rest of my life trying to figure this thing out. And what a waste of life that would be, trying to figure this thing out. And there are people that specialize. They spend their whole life with this whole struggle. Uh, no, uh, that, that would be such a wasted life. So... If you'll turn with me to Ephesian, uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and then while you have your Bible, in closing, I'd like to, to go to 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, if you want to mark that one for later on. But uh, this is my conclusion. It has been my conclusion, and this is my understanding. This is the way I have dealt with this Goliath in my life. I came to realize that, yeah, I could spend the rest of my life trying to figure this thing out. But I just uh, came to the conclusion that it's really a matter of faith. In fact, if you're an evolutionist, that's a matter of faith as well, only in that direction. But I determined as a decision of 
myself and my will that as a matter of faith, God created everything. God created it. And this is what I understand this verse says in uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And that was the answer to that Goliath. That was, that was the stone that hit that Goliath in the head. You, you do know what Goliath said when that stone hit him? Oh, nothing like that ever entered my mind before. Not really. <laughs> that was the stone for my Goliath was to accept this as a matter of faith. The decision was made and uh, looking back, looking back on this life, uh, it's it's been a good decision. Uh, just a little aside here. You know, in life, there's three main decisions that we make. Uh, just take them in order from least importance to most importance. Uh, there's the vocational decision. What are you going to do vocationally? Well, that got wrapped up, too, in becoming a minister. Uh, there's the matrimonial decision. Who am I going to live this life with? So it's, uh, what am I going to live this life doing? Who am I going to live this life with? God already had taken very good care of that with Pat because, as it turned out, she was a most excellent helpmate in ministry. In fact, the reality be known, she's probably the mainstay of our ministry. She was just so right for the way this life has turned out. The third decision is, and this was the one I was wrestling with really, is uh, what am I going to live this life for or who am I going to live this life for? And that really is a spiritual decision. And that's a basic decision that we make. And we usually call it faith. But am I going to live my, sight, my life for God? To honor and glorify him? Am I going to live my life through the strength and power and understanding and witness of Jesus Christ? Or am I going to live it for my selfish self in my own limited understanding? Or am I going to limit am I going to live it in God's understanding? Well, that was very much what was involved in this Goliath decision, I think. So, what you're living your life for determines a lot of the other things. Like, uh, as a young man, one thing I knew for sure, I wanted to marry a Christian girl. I had that very clear in my mind. Pat fit that role rather well, better than I could ever Imagine or hope, actually. Wonderful. Uh, a lot of you know know what I'm talking about because you, you knew her. Uh, vocational, 
Not so important. I mean, you can do all kinds of things as long as they're honorable and and worthwhile and good and make a contribution. And uh, as being involved in tent-making ministries, I have had so many vocations. Sharon and I made a list one day. I think we got up to 30. So more than that, okay. <laughs> and, of course, another lesser decision is where you're going to live your life. Now, that's usually decided by the other three. In fact, it's interesting. One of the interesting statistics in ministry work is that 80% of ministers end up living within 50 miles of where their wife was raised. But there are exceptions. <laughs> so where you're going to live your life is usually determined by what you do vocationally or uh, or what your direction in life is all about. And so that was determined. So, well, okay, so I need to, I told you a little bit about this, about this move. And uh, these different courses that I was taking, speech and history and practical ministries and even music courses at the Bible College. And Bible College was a really good experience, and I could recommend that for anybody because you, you develop special friends, you develop uh, relationships. It's uh, ideally, it's almost like a little bit of heaven on earth in that environment. It's pretty neat, really. And, and that was a good three years. Pat took courses. Pat took piano courses, and we know what happened with that, those of us that knew her. she uh, We used that time uh, as a time of uh, real growth and, and real uh, settling into a definite direction in life. And so now we could kind of get on with life. So I'm just going to briefly give you a little rundown on the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say when he was on the radio. So in the, uh, as a Bible college student in the summer of 66, Pat and I and David, we were asked to be part of a team that toured Western Canada. And there were two parts to this team. One was a drama part, and the other one was a follow-up so-called evangelistic team. And the drama team would go to certain areas, and then we'd come along afterwards, and we'd hold special meetings. And so we traveled all over Western, Western Canada, all the way from Ontario to Vancouver Island. And uh, uh, it, was, it was a uh, very interesting summer. Uh, we were privileged to be part of that. I think we traveled like 10,000 miles, something like that, that summer. So that was our introduction to Western Canada. And then we went back. I had one more year of Bible college to do. And so I was a, uh, a campus minister on the University of Tennessee with a church that was involved with the University of Tennessee. So I did that for the winter while attending Bible college. And uh, and then we decided to go on our own tour of Western Canada. So uh, an elder in that church loaned us a Ford station wagon, and we went on this trip, and we made a trip through Western Canada again. And part of that trip 
uh, we were asked to speak at a family camp in Grand Prairie. And uh, long story short, the Grand Prairie Church asked if we would be interested in coming and ministering there. So we went back to Tennessee, packed up our stuff in that utility trailer that I still drag around. At that time, it was a tent trailer. But uh, we packed up our stuff and headed for Grand Prairie. Well, immigration was pretty easy back in those days. We came to the border and they said, yeah, okay, uh, if you can pass the physical, uh, you're, you're in as a, uh, as a landed immigrant. If you don't pass the physical, you have to pack up your stuff and go back where you came from. So uh, this was even before the health care program days, but there was a doctor in Grand Prairie who made it part of his practice to cater to uh, ministers in the community at, at no charge. That was great. So he gave us our physical, and we went through all the paperwork. And so we uh, enjoyed a, a seven-year ministry in Grand Prairie. And that church has prospered a lot since then. In fact, I think they have a second or a third campus happening from what I hear about it. It's uh, quite the prosperous, prosperous congregation these days. And then I... For Pat, uh, originally we said, well, let's go for five years. Well, seven years we were there. So back to Ohio, spent some time with the family, with local church there. Uh, two years. And then uh, uh, Edmonton asked us to come. So spent. And, and I have to say, the city was not for this guy. Now, Pat's very adaptable. She adapted wherever we went. She did very well. Uh, five years or so in Edmonton, then Fairview for two years, and and then uh, a break from ministry. We moved to North Carolina. And my brother and I, my middle brother and I, uh, we, uh, we, we did some building together. Well, we soon learned that this was not going to work. His way of doing things were different than my way of doing things. And so we were in the midst of building a house. And one day we took the tool belts off. I said, we got to talk. So we went to our little fire that we placed, lunch place that we had and sat down there. And uh, we decided that, yeah, we'd finish this house and then part company. Well, uh Got the call from Lumbee. Would you consider coming to Lumbee, B.C.? Well, actually, it was uh, Delburn, Alberta, and then Lumbee. And so the uh, church at Delburn paid my airfare, and I said, well, would you mind if I uh, went out to Lumbee and looked at this situation out there? And they said, I didn't know this at the time. They said, well, no, we're looking at different preachers, so it's okay. You go ahead and look at different churches, so. So I did. <laughs> so, so anyway, we ended up at Lumbee for 10 years, and then we came to Clyde for 10 years, and then we went back out there to the church camp as a retirement project for not full-time, but over the course of about 15 years that took place. So uh, 
camps have been big in our ministries. Uh, children's programs have been big and ABC clubs, that type of thing, vacation Bible schools. So over 50 years of ministry, probably six, seven different churches, and all of these were tent-making ministries. So my first commitment with working with these churches was that uh, that my family, I would, however, whatever it took, I'd take care of the family. So uh, this is a famous quotation here, Bill. Your mom, you know, you know what I'm leading up to. So that it comes down to crunch time, you know, when uh, we came to Clyde, and and so okay, what uh, what's this guy going to get paid? His family, so 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 we're we're discussing that. So the uh, it was determined at that time that the pay would be two hundred dollars a month. So I said, well, does that include the uh, does that include the uh, deductions that the church has to pay? an employee or are those on top of that and Lillian bless her heart I just love Lillian she was great she said $200 and not a penny more okay that's what we what oh well what can you... <laughs> so so anyway that was the beginning of our 10-year ministry here in Clyde and uh, those those were really Good times, challenging times, and we so enjoyed working with Sharon and, and Gordon and good, good, good years. Well, uh, tent making ministry. I have to say that original tent trailer that's now a utility trailer. It was originally a tent trailer that a, another guy and I in the trailer park I was living in. We made that thing. He was a welder, and we made it, and we sewed that tent on a homemade home sewing machine and did the whole thing. So I guess I could lay a little claim to tent making <laughs> in this list. So uh, I have had the privilege of doing so many different things over the years. And I'll just, uh, just name a few because I, I'm, I tend to be a hands-on guy. I tend to have this mechanical brain that likes to figure things out and work with things and and I was certainly able to put a bunch of my physics and chemistry training to to use over the years. And so just just to, just to share a few of these things, you know, I've been a, a, at one point a, a big game guide, uh, involved in engineering and building design and uh, a kind of an amateur geologist, a millwright, a machinist, mechanic, uh, an inventor. Even have a U.S. patent and a Canadian patent, uh, a bus driver, and right now I'm every day a backhoe operator. It seems, um, prospector. Uh, oh yeah, and, and uh, the list goes on. But my all-time claim to fame is building spaghetti bridges, and it paid off too. Because uh, several airplane tip trips, uh, like to Queen Charlotte Islands and that type of thing, and the last prize, I think this is the year two thousand, is here in Clyde, but this contest is in Kelowna, BC, and it's the last year they let me participate in it, 
After that, it was only for students. So I guess I wrecked it up some. But uh, anyway, came away with the World Championship Spaghetti Bridge Builder Prize and Trophy and a prize of $1,000. That helped out. Well, they, they, they don't let me do that anymore, but I have been able to teach and instruct uh, a lot of uh, young men and women uh, out there in Lumbee over the years on how to build these bridges, and they have done quite well. Uh, this spring, two of my protégés, two brothers, they won first and second prize. The younger brother got the first prize. And the older brother, who's now in engineering training at Okanagan College, uh, he got second prize. And the first prize was $1,500. Second prize was $1,000. So they're really cashing in on that every year. They've got, it down, they've got it down to a science, so to speak. So, well, looking back, uh, life has been good and once once that Goliath was knocked down uh, that cleared the way for what God has uh, provided a wonderful life blessed life and I'd like to think that many people have come to the Lord through our lives live for him uh, it's uh, it's very humbling and it's it's very much a blessing. I'd like us now to turn to what has become my current Goliath. There's usually not just one Goliath along the way. They seem to crop up from time to time. Here's my current challenge, and uh, it's it's a uh, it's a challenge for me because I tend to get distracted into these other more mundane things. But this is something the Lord has put on my heart for quite a while now, even going back to the Clyde days. And now I'm back at, back at Clyde, so uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps God will push me to move ahead on this. So uh, I'd like us, in closing, I'd like to share together this passage of Scripture from Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, starting at verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once re regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. And reading a little bit of chapter 6. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. 
for he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We have today to live. It's very humbling to do the math and figure out that I've had some 27,000 todays in this life. That's amazing. But I see in this passage of scripture a challenge that we are to be Christ's ambassadors. And I have in my mind, in my head anyway, and I'd like to think in the Lord's will, a, uh, a way of trying to help us fellow Christians to be more effective ambassadors for Christ. So uh, stay tuned on that. And uh, let us close in prayer. Lord God, I'm so thankful for this uh, opportunity to be together in fellowship with those of like precious faith. And we each one have a story to tell. And each one is a unique story. And each one has to do with the unfolding of our life of faith as you would have us. Each one of us has to do with some oftentimes very difficult decisions of the will to make, decisions of direction, decisions of relationship, decisions about how we're going to live this life in accordance with your will. And I just thank you, Lord, that I can say it's been good. It's been a good run. And I just thank you for that. And I pray your blessing upon each one here today, upon each life that is being lived out to your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Bob. Your story is um, very compelling, and we are all, in various ways, the fruits of that story. And uh, your your Goliath, your Goliath was the creation evolution debate, but that's really a straw man. It's listening to your story. the The real Goliath was a sense of purpose, of of a sense of focus, even. And uh, that's a, you you articulated that that. Um, draw towards purpose really well and uh we're thankful for it thank you for that for that reminder that every day we have to renew what is going to be our focus what is going to be our purpose and um should be to be ambassadors for christ and i have i have a different journey with that that intellectual thing but the end result is the same in the end it doesn't matter that's just a it doesn't matter what we believe about how the world came to be what what matters is who we put our faith in so thank you for that, Bob. I appreciate that very much, and we all do. So um, we are free to go, um, but thank you for coming today, and we'll see you next week, everyone. Accept this as a matter of faith. The decision was made, and uh, looking back on this life, it's been a good decision. And that was the answer to that Goliath. And Jesus is like, hey, man, $200 and not a penny more. <laughs>